Welcome to the Apple of Truth, our weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while celebrating the great parts, pointing out the bad parts, and answering questions you never knew you even had. I'm Vero. And I'm Lena. And we can't wait to share our love and hate for your favorite characters. Today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 8, Spoiler Alert, aka the mid-season finale. And if we sound like shit, or especially if I sound like shit, please excuse us, we have just returned from our first convention since COVID. Hey, and this is the first time we've seen each other in since before we started this podcast. Isn't it ridiculous? Completely ridiculous. Since the night we decided to do this podcast, literally. <sighs> you were all in 3D and I kept poking you and you hated it it was great it was wonderful wonderful is a great word for it (laughs) but today is also wonderful because we do not have one or two we have three new patrons so please give a warm welcome to our newest heathens anna and as of about 10 minutes ago karen and one (laughs) yay and one True believer, Zainab. And I'm really sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Please get in touch with us if you need a name uh, correction. I will get on that. I tried to Google it. I don't know how I did. So if you have any feedback, get back to me. Let us know how bad Vero did, basically. (laughs) Thank you so much for supporting us. Not just the three of you, but the rest of you out there as well. We are flabbergasted by the fact that you are there willing to help us out funding this experience. So thank you. Thank you so much. We love you very much. And speaking of this experience, let's get on with this experience and what happens in this episode. Michael returns with a totally useless master plan. Mace switches sides again, then gets his shit together way quicker than anyone else. Chloe voices her fears and Ella gets nearly killed by her boyfriend who turns out to be a serial killer. And no. I'm not okay. I think we're gonna rant about that a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. Yes. But to the obsession of the week. For me, this one was very straightforward and I will not fight it this time. It is Chloe. No, it's Revenge on Dan. No, Revenge on Dan is like 10 minutes long. And then Chloe gets kidnapped and he gets obsessed with Chloe and finding Chloe. Chloe only gets kidnapped because he is obsessed with Revenge on Dan. She literally says so to him. But he literally drops it the second he finds out, which is like 10 minutes into the episode. I'm gonna insist on Revenge on Dan. Okay, fine. Can we split the episode? Because it's two very major storylines no. anyway, and it should have been two episodes anyway. He's way too distracted in this opinion. episode to be obsessed with Chloe, because when they have their moment, then there's the fight happening and everything. So I insist on having revenge on Dan, which fine. puts this at only three agreements out of eight episodes. We're so bad at this. We're so doing bad. very, very bad. but But we're doing it with a smile. Yes, of course. (laughs) Thank you. Let's go into the facts and fun. And this is the second time director Kevin Alejandro returns. His previous episode was Once Upon a Time. Two more episodes to come. Yay. I only 
No, about one. Oh, yeah, no, actually, you're right, too. Good, good, never mind. And we have seventh-time writer Chris Rafferty returning, who shall also return for two more episodes in the future. More Chris Rafferty. The title is set by Michael, which gives Lucifer the same end result as us for Obsession, because Lucifer only set three titles out of eight episodes. See, I think that we're subconsciously keeping it so low for him. Also, we could give Lucifer like a half a point because his face technically says it. No. You tried to do that in episode one and no. I remember. For once, I remember. For once. Once in our lives. You will not pull this one over me. Okay, fine. Then, of course, we have a wonderful collection of fun facts. Another difference between Michael and Lucifer is shown in this episode. Lucifer is very cavalier about money. Michael is miserly when he complains that Chloe throws away the coffee cup. He goes, hey, that was like seven bucks. (laughs) This is supposedly the first time Lucifer is able to accept a heartfelt thank you without discomfort or instantly deflecting it. And I think that is true. But I also think it helps that she is only looking at him while saying it, but she is surrounded by other people who think it's directed at them. So it makes it easier for him to accept. We have a callback in this episode that Lucifer was right, because in Lucifer Our Mojo, Lucifer says that he's starting to think the killer grows his own signature flowers. He was right. Oh, I missed that. And we have the amazing fight scene at the end. And in an interview, Kevin Alejandro explained one of the rules for the time frozen fight. Objects could move or be moved if touched by a supernatural being, but would stop moving as soon as they were no longer in contact. Which of course makes sense when you see Mace step through the broken glass, why she can move it out of the way, but why it stays up in the air. In the first half of the fight, Lucifer's moves of fighting are almost entirely defensive. He strikes only three times through that part of the fight, and always in a manner to temporarily incapacitate rather than cause permanent harm. He's also twice in possession of Maze's knives, but instead of turning them on her or Michael, he just throws them to the side. He resumes his usual fighting style in the second half of the battle, though. So that is very interesting, because in the first half, obviously, he's mostly fighting Mace. So it was nice to see him holding back. I actually noticed that, and I have it in my notes. Very good. Yay, thank you. Can I get a gold star? No. And this concludes the facts and funs. So after I've learned so much fun facts, I think it is time for the last time in season 5A, previously on Lucifer. Daniel saw Lucy's devil face because Michael is a dick. Michael has been meddling with everyone for weeks. Mace tried to confront her mother in a search for a soul. Speaking of souls, Ella met Pete, and everything is going great. Ames and Linda have a child which seems to be very human. Chloe and Lucy finally get together. They have the sex, and Dan walks into the penthouse and shoots Lucifer straight in the heart. We go straight back into where we left off last episode. Exactly. And in your Devils in the Music, you talk about this song. And I had no idea what you were talking about. Shame on me, because my note says, that music, that slow-mo, damn, Kevin knows his shit. So I should have been aware what this song is that is playing, because I recognized that it was awesome in this placement. Yep, the name of the song is The End of the World. This version is sang by Sharon Van Etten, but it is 
original or originally performed by Skeeter Davis. And I don't know why I always think it's Rita Skeeter. I'm sorry. This is like the first thing that comes to mind when I... And Because it's your brain spurred. is infected with Harry Potter. Boo! Anyway, this is a great song. I absolutely adore it. I have big emotional ties to this song. I have cried a many nights after a breakup. No, I did not cry. But... You never I, cry. I did not witness it last weekend. Shh, shh. It never happened. My heart ached many times with this song playing. So I have a big emotional attachment to it. So when I heard the beginning of the lyrics, it was obvious that this was going to be a song I'm going to be focusing on. And it is really well done with the slow-mo and Chloe rushing over to him and Lucifer falling down and everything. But obviously I had assume this was gonna happen and I love nothing more than being right Lucifer gets up and he is totally fine because he self-actualized himself invulnerable again hey. and I was like ha call it so I was very proud of myself well done Lena <laughs> One of my favorite moments of this scene is actually Chloe getting so pissed off at Daniel. She gets up and starts yelling at him. But, you know, I kind of feel Dan's reaction because on one hand, it makes complete sense. He was manipulated into this. Yeah. Who knows? We don't know what exactly Michael told him. So being in a situation like that, after seeing the devil face for the first time, realizing the supernatural exists, all of these things, it is fucking intense. But also, Lucifer is the love of Chloe's life. We assume so right now. And they finally get together and now she watched him die by the hand of her ex-husband and a father of her child. It's just the stakes are high. But she is still making a very big understatement when she says that she also did not handle it well when she found out. I mean, she fucking ran off to the Vatican to do some research. I would not call that not handling it well. I mean, okay, she did not shoot Lucifer, which is handling it worse, obviously. But I'm with Dan and I feel very much for him. And Lucifer does not help in the background shooting himself again. (laughs) That was so funny. I mean, Lucifer's behavior throughout this scene is hilarious. Yes. Yes. Dan storms off. Understandably so. And Chloe goes like, oh shit, he's supposed to pick up Trixie from the sitter. I have to deal with that now. And what she drops the word shit, which I don't think we've heard before. But it was perfect placement as per usual. (laughs) And she leaves and we get a little brief moment looking at Lucifer, who seems slightly concerned about it, at least what it felt to me, about what his sudden invulnerability means. Thingy. The thing, yeah. They do have an interaction because Chloe is very much confused by this. Mm-hmm. And I do not blame her. But Lucifer just glances over this like, would you have preferred if I actually died? And she's like, no, of course not. And, uh, and they brush it off. But obviously this is going to come back and bite them in the arse later mm-hmm. in the storyline. And she goes off to sort out things that Trixie will be watched by her grandma, which is a very important foreshadowing so that later on when she gets kidnapped, this is why Lucifer knows that Trixie is with grandma. Yeah. We go over to Pete's mm-hmm. and apparently 
Ella had stayed the night and they're very cute together. And he does do, the do, do. choose a hand thing with her. And she picks the wrong hand and then he hands over the key. And I'm like, how long have they been together? Hasn't it been like a week or something? It's been about two, three weeks, I think. So it's definitely not even a month. It's very short time, for sure. And I'm sorry, I know I am by far one of the worst people to make declarations on when what should happen in a relationship. But handing over your keys in a relationship that is not even a month old is such a red flag. See, the thing is that if she would have handed him her keys, I'd be like, oh my god, don't do it because I know her and I don't know him. So I'd be worried for her opening her doors. And this was actually the first moment where I started to feel iffy about Mm. Pete and I feel like it escalates extremely quick within this episode because in the last few episodes I paid attention to what happens with Pete because obviously we've watched this season half before and I did not catch on to any of it but this is the first major quote-unquote misstep that he Mm. does and it gets so worse with every other interaction yeah even when he shows up at the crime scene you're already like "Eh, this feels off and everything Mm. so it became very obvious at the end of the episode that something was very very wrong with him and i actually think it's really well done Mm -hmm. because up to this point i adored pete but then he handed over the key and i'm like See, the thing with Ella and Pete is that I feel very strongly about Ella wanting happiness for Ella. And Ella seemed happy, so I wanted this to be good. So, you know, sometimes when you want something really hard, you tend to overlook things. And I think that's the case with Ella as well, because she hasn't been with a good guy, you know, the way she self-describes it. Ever. But she is cautious much. because when we move she over is. into the precinct, that's the first thing she talks about with Chloe. Like, this is too fast, right? I'm not making a big thing out of nothing. This is too fast. This is wrong. Yeah. However, she goes along with it because, and this is my personal opinion, this is probably me projecting anyway, but I think that she wants so hard for this to be good that she's for willing... For this to work, yeah. She's willing to go along with it, even though it feels slightly iffy and sadly chloe is too distracted by the realization that lucifer has never said the words to her i think that she gets more likely distracted with the fact that she sees lucifer with a weird looking bag in front of dan's table that is what makes her leave ella behind but ella has this very very unhappy oh. timing of using the worst possible words when talking to someone she did the same thing with the soulmates comment towards mm. me where she inadvertently triggered something with Mace. Mm. And in this context, she triggered the worrying within Chloe, the realization Mm. that Lucifer has never said, I love you, and that Lucifer never lies. So there must be... Quotation a, reason. Words, a reason and so I feel like as per usual everyone is too busy with other stuff to focus on Ella because I wasn't flagging Pete's behavior just yet I felt like their conversation was actually quite valid and they gave each other enough attention and the only reason Chloe left the conversation was because Lucifer was up to some bullshit so I didn't actually think that she's not paying attention to her obviously I agree with the fact that the timing of the whole I love you words stuff. It was unfortunate because it was distracting. 
but I think that the conversation could have gone back on track if Lucifer didn't show up at the precinct. As you said, Chloe is distracted by Lucifer fucking around. And I have a fun IMDb fact about this. Because we must correct the writing, or Lucifer, depending on (laughs) who you want to blame. He calls it a poisonous, or a not poisonous snake. Snakes are venomous, not poisonous. So... Uh, 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 fail there. Well, maybe he said it on purpose. That might you, be. Maybe if you eat it, no. you don't die. Because the snake that Lucifer brings to the police station is the non-venomous scarlet king snake that is often mistaken for the venomous coral snake that has the same tricolor rings of red, black and white, yellow, but in a different order. Oh. So, the more you know, but venomous, not poisonous. This works if you talk about their fangs, yes. Venomous, it kills you when it bites you. Poisonous, it kills you when you bite it. Yes, Very easy to I'm... remember. I know what it means. I'm just saying, you don't know. Maybe he wanted Dan no. to eat the snake. No, he would No, no, just no. Okay, fine. Whatever. Did you notice Tom Ellis's little laugh when he tries to put the snake in the drawer? He has the most adorable, tiny, devilish laugh when he does it. It's so cute. I rarely say that, but it's so cute. I wish... Oh, could we technically use like a half a second audio of the show? They can't sue us for half a second, right? I have no idea. Also, I don't know how to do the video capture. I'll try to extract it from you. For you. I mean, we should be able to record the audio of the... Yeah, we can look into it. No promises. But it's so fucking cute. It's so, so fucking cute. If we manage to do that, you just heard the cute laugh yourselves. You're welcome. <laughs> like, seriously, it's so adorable. Lucifer is getting super obsessed with getting back to Dan. And it Obsession makes me... It makes me very happy. and It's just so cute because... You know, we've we've watched them over the last, what, seven episodes to build their relationships or say five episodes because, you know, the, the bromance, was... The bromance and, has been blooming. And it was beautiful and we were very excited about it. So it's only logical to see Lucifer actually hurt. He's really, what's the word? He's pissed off. He's taking but, it personal. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. He's offended by it. That's the word I was looking for. He's honestly offended by the fact that Daniel shot him. Yes. I don't like your face and you don't see me shooting you is what he said in the first scene, right? It just gives us so much more because they took the time and built their relationship over the number of episodes. Brace that bros, brace that bros. It's incredible and it just makes me really happy. And like, I know that Lucy can't stay mad forever. Oh, yeah, obviously. Because we know him as a character. Regardless of what I know about the future episodes, this we know about him. But for a while, he's going to be distracted. And he's going to be the most... He's the pettiest little fucker around. And I love that about him. I think it's incredible. But Chloe finally manages to get him to focus on the case and they realize, hmm, what if there was someone we could talk to? Uh, let's just move on into jail. From into the holding cell, yay. And I don't like this character. I feel he's very, very stupid. I mean, he's supposed to 
be not on top of this game because he's a failure as a copycat. But I found him extremely annoying. I'm very happy that he's going to get tortured later in the episode. The Husher and the Shusher are such bad names. So bad. And he gets led on by Chloe so fucking easily. Mm-hmm. I was very much over the situation. And then on top of that, of course, you have Lucifer over inserting himself, looking for ideas to get revenge. With the little notebook. Oh, it's so funny. And I was very much with Chloe being utterly fed up with the entire situation. So I was like, everyone fuck off. Like the dude in the cell, shut your mouth and Lucifer go away. Chloe solved this case. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, though, Chloe gets what she came for. She gets, yeah, of course. She gets a confirmation that this dude, Kowalski, Kominski, whatever his name is. Klumski. Same thing. That this dude is definitely not the, the serial killer they were looking the for. The whisper killer. She wants Lucifer on this and uh, she does a thing where she suggests if you're not going to be focused on this, you might as well just go off and do your own thing. And she expects him to drop stay the done shit her. and stay yeah. with her. And he just goes, ooh, divide and conquer. This is a great idea. And, and walks off. He off. Goes. Yeah, I was very upset with Lucifer. But she is so surprised. But this is such a typical Lucifer behavior. She should have never given him the option. He should have grown more by now to be a bit more aware of his surroundings, especially when it comes to Chloe. I'm sorry. Dan just shot him. I and see. And he his had point. the sex with Chloe. They should have reached a certain level of closeness by now. Well, yeah, but he was just shot. Still. By his bro. I stand by my point. We go home to Chloe's, and Chloe is doing some research, which mm -hmm. supposedly is done on the dark web. I mean, the entire scene, she is only on one single website, which is called Killshare. And so she calls Lucifer. And starts leaving him the message. And she gets taken. She gets taken, yeah. They had me fooled. They had me fooled. I was sure this was gonna be... Connected. The fucking serial killer stuff that she was researching. Yeah. You get the montage, the research montage, as I called it. This is actually, like, really well done. Congratulations to Kevin. Because sometimes when you watch stuff like that and you have those sneaky, creepy looks through the window th from the outside inside, it's obvious that the person is being watched and it's probably gonna get taken or something is something bad is gonna happen. But he drops in just, like, a half a second. So it was an Enough for me to get alerted about it, but it wasn't enough for me to get like, ah, oh, it's obvious it's gonna happen. To be prepared for it. So it was the perfect balance of like, wait, I fucking hate when they do this. It always feels <laughs> like, oh shit, she's got taken. It's happening. Yeah. If you can hear this. Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> oh no. Wrong don't franchise. Do Wrong franchise. Even I know what that means. So she gets taken. We cut over into the penthouse and I am in all caps. The music, the hair, the face. It's this perfect. This is so brilliant. This is so fucking brilliant. We get Dies Ire Requiem Mass in this case by Lorne Balf, Russell Emanuel and Steve Kopsky. We get this epic music, epic hair, epic plan. His face, he's utterly disheveled. It's so good. He's in a proper frenzy. Mm -hmm. And this song sadly 
did not make it into the devils in the music, but what did make it into the devils in the details is obviously the freeze frame frenzy that I went on for the revenge board. Spoilers, I did not have to suffer through actual freeze frames this time because the amazing Chris Rafferty who wrote this episode shared all the information that one could have asked for, including the original behind the scenes content list. So if you want to know everything that is on the visible side of the board and the not visible side of the board, you need to listen to this week's bonus. And Lucifer notices the phone and he's surprised because he did not hear the ringing and, you know, just puts it on and he listens to it. He's not really caring much. And then suddenly he hears the struggle and you can see his face drop. And it was really well done because when she was taken, we only saw her getting taken and it cut off. And now we get to hear all the struggling noises that happened while the phone was still connected to the voicemail and this is really terrifying like if you ever were to get a voicemail like that it would be utterly terrifying Mm -hmm. so that was really well done and now we have Lucifer's attention like now he's focused yeah imagine that this is the last thing that Mm -hmm. you have left of the person it's terrifying Mm -hmm. the voicemail finishes Mm -hmm. and we get the wing sound and we are over in Chloe's apartment and I have to point this out he's now wearing a coat I do not believe that Lucifer took the time to put on a coat. He was not wearing a coat in the penthouse. He is now wearing a coat. I call this a continuity error. Yeah, I did not notice it though. And also, according to IMDb, this is only the second time Lucifer is shown having used his wings to travel somewhere other than to hell or from hell. And both times he is trying to save Chloe. So with her, he has no chill. And he's very, very worried. And this is the scene at 11.50 where we get the title card. After that, we cut into the home being analyzed and everything. Yes. The Chloe's apartment turning into a crime scene moment where you watch Lucifer and Ella walking through the place and they're both extremely terrified. That's actually quite sweet to see Lucifer and Ella losing their hats at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then Ella starting to punch Lucifer, like get really aggressive and he hugs her and holds her clothes and cradles her head. And it's really, really heartbreaking and sweet. So it's been quite a while. And so when I see the two of them like losing their shit together and then calming down together, we cut over into the lair and we see both of them working together. I'm like, Mm -hmm. yay! Because I actually really think that a Lucifer and Ella team up is absolutely brilliant. I mean, we are pretty biased and we do love all the all the team ups I feel like but yeah the two of them completely objectively said 100% no bias at all they are incredible however they only come together in the darkest circumstances so I am not happy about that they <laughs> should spend more time with each other under happy circumstance because I want well, them happy and friends and, you know, sibling love and whatever. I love them. There is no happy coming for any of us in the near future. Because uh. poor Ella also is not aware that while Lucifer is with her, she is safe as houses, basically. Because she still thinks he is just an actor. Well, she calls him an actor and he completely... Yeah, but she is terrified that they don't have any backup with them. Mm. Chloe knows that when Lucifer is with her, he has like the superhuman strength and everything. Ella is not a field agent and she doesn't know how 
supernaturally strong and everything Lucifer is. So she must be so terrified. Mm. But Lucifer does not have space to take care of her again because he is very much focused on let's get Chloe back. And so he instead terrifies the dude that works in there. Yeah, honestly... I don't remember the last time we've seen Lucifer this scary because when the dude mentions the transcripts that Chloe was supposed to pick up. I think with Pierce he went as intense and scary. It's possible. Pierce was a season and a half, nearly two seasons ago. Yeah. And it's been a minute and he goes completely serious and it's terrifying. Acting chops on Tom Ellis. It's incredible. We get more information like that they're actually making a game where you play a serial killer and we get the usual debate, at least hinted at, is it better to provide a non-violent outlet for certain urges or... Is it something that would spark creativity? Exactly. Would it inspire more violent acts or is this an outlet for people to get rid of certain urges so that they don't have to act on them in real life? The dude provides information and he also offers up his team to help them find the information that they need. Mm-hmm. And so we have a camera angle where you can actually see Ella scroll through the posts and they keep stating that the username has an 85 in the name. The username on screen doesn't. So when you pause and you check it out, it's just Lilyman, I think, is the username and there is no number behind it. But when they talk about it, they always say Lilyman85. So, curious, yes. tiny continuity error, because I caught it. Freeze frame. <laughs> Freeze frame, baby. But now we have information and we can hop over to our other storyline. Well, before we do so, there is one tiny little thing that Lucifer does, and that actually takes us from this scene to the next. And that is that he says he needs to make a phone oh, call. Right. That phone call takes us to Linda's house. We are entering a situation where a Charlie is crying. Again. Again. I know, it's, it's terrible. Children so loud. Amenadiel is packing him up to take him to the hospital. I believe he says he has 102 fever and Mace goes, well, I think you're overreacting. And because I don't understand American things. Fahrenheit, yeah. Fahrenheit. I had to Google this and it is 38.9, which is high fever, but it's not that high fever. It's not hospital high fever. Anything below 40 is not hospital high fever. For babies, the number thresholds are different. I was just going to say, it is possible that babies have it different. I don't know that. I wouldn't know that. But I agree with Mace. Aminadiel is blowing this out of proportion. Charlie's going to be just fine. I feel no stakes in here. Because Ames is an overprotective daddy. Exactly. But that brings us to the fact that Ames is trying to deflect from Mace saying the truth by pointing out that her phone is ringing and she's not picking it up. Weirdly enough, he is also right at this moment because how can Lucifer try to, you know, deal with the Mace situation when he doesn't know there's a situation? So Mace really should talk to Lucifer instead of ignoring him because... 
he doesn't know. He's too busy. Nobody ever told him. And he never catches on by himself, as we have seen repeatedly in the past and repeatedly in this episode, sadly. Yes. Yes. Mace gets over it and she answers the phone and this is really well done on the acting part because her face changes completely the second she realizes that Chloe is in danger. Everything on her plate takes a back seat and she's ready for action. What do you need me to do? And she is ready and go. So yay Mace. Yay Mace indeed. Things start moving real quickly as is the car in the next scene. Really? I didn't pay attention to that. Wow. My first note is kicking down the door. So I'm like... They drive in to the house real quickly. It's a beautiful car. I haven't pointed it out in a really long time. Ella and Lucifer rush towards the house. Lucy just kicks the door down and I'm just... Yeah, very much so. (laughs) Again, the stakes for me were not high at all because... With this thing and the buzzing noises and the dead lilies on the floor, it was clear to me that was never going to be Chloe. Absolutely same. And I actually was a bit angry because Ella should instantly have clocked this. Exactly. That the old dead body smell must mean that this body cannot be Chloe. Of course, Chloe could also have been there. But what they're smelling and what they're then seeing turning towards them was absolutely impossibly to be Chloe. And so there was no tension for me in this one scene. Same. We cut over into the jail scene. Mm-hmm. How the fuck did Mace get into the cell? She's a demon. She's a demon. Burn her. Burn the witch. She's a witch. Lucifer has proven in the past that he can super quickly get in and out of rooms, houses, cars, whatever. But Mace doesn't have wings. So I am very, very curious how did she get in? To be fair, Lucifer have shown have been shown moving from into lock houses and outside of locked cars without wings. So maybe it's the same health skill that they have. And so I was wondering, of course, what relevant information Mace was gonna extract from the copycat because I could not think of a single thing that he could know that would be useful. And he in the end, doesn't turn out to be actually useful, so... Well, they do learn a little bit more about Lilliman and a little bit more about the details of how he is getting other things. So, I mean, it's not super useful, but... It helps narrowing it down a bit. While we now know that Maze is gonna torture the copycat, which, of course, is very satisfying. I'm very, very here for it. Good. We cut very quickly back to the crime scene and Mm -hmm. Pete shows up. Yeah, I'm like... (laughs) I'm like, man, hunt, man, hunt, man, hunt. Whee! Because at this stage, we know we're going to be hunting somebody down. And who doesn't love a little man hunt? I mean, me. I love it because I watched 15 seasons of Criminal Minds in a month. I was mostly... Why are you so cute, Pete? Why are you so perfect in your understanding? Like, oh, I know I freaked you out. Like... He says all the right things, mm-hmm. it's creepy, which makes it? it so much worse. Yep. And yet again, he is so super helpful. He's like, hey, you have the key to my place. And I actually did all this research. Feel free to use it. But again, in this moment, I was like, well, you were 
only assigned the Whisper Killer case like last week. When did you do all this research? When? How do you have boxes of research? So that was a red flag for me. The fact that he says I have done an extensive research on Whisper Killer, even though he pretty much just got the case. In general, doing extensive research on a serial killer, not a good sign. Yeah, no. Even as a budding journalist, it still feels kind of iffy. We go into the hospital and Lucifer is there. And I was wondering what the fuck is the man doing? Is he like sitting on the toilet or what? Oh no, he's trying to slow down time. <laughs> and so Amenadiel definitely has no more slowing time down powers. And Lucifer gets really, really worried. And he says, I'm useless without her. But Amenadiel actually is being a good, supportive, proper big brother. And he calls him Detective Lucifer. It's so cute because we had Detective Amenadiel and now we have Detective Lucifer. I'm really, really happy with how Amenadiel is behaving. I was a bit torn On the one hand, he was a really sweet, supportive brother. On the other, it was like, he couldn't be arsed to go with Lucifer. So I'm like, yeah. We go into the precinct and Lucifer has done the work. He put the stuff up on the board and separated it into columns and everything. He is working methodically. Have we ever seen him working methodically like this before? Not on screen. He's truly channeling Chloe. We've seen him do the proper paperwork before when he was in the shithouse with Chloe. Mm -hmm. And we've seen him work properly before with Dan. Mm -hmm. We know that he can do it. But he's never done it without a detective help. Oh yeah, he did the paperwork for Chloe once. Remember? And he did that by himself. Yeah, but the way he did it was very immature. <laughs> no, he just had very interesting categories, but he did all the paperwork and he okay. filed it in a way that actually solved the case. So we know that he can do it, but we have never seen him on screen do it before. Mm-hmm. And now we see him in the midst of doing it and Ella comes in, compliments him on it. So that is very, very sweetly done. I found the wind bag as a slur for women who talk a lot very disgusting and very well done. I've never heard that before. I've heard it. I don't like it. I mean, obviously, both of us fit that profile as well. So... Oh, yeah. I don't have much on this scene. It's a very plot-moving scene where we have Ella walks in with some information. Mace comes up after finishing her torture of the douchebag. And she's being very snarky with Lucifer. But they follow the lead. And my main note on this scene is that Lucifer and Mace really need to talk as soon as possible. But now is not the time. Which unfortunately proves correct to me in the next scene... Oh, wait, wait, wait. There's one second in this scene that is very, very important because Lucifer puts his hands on the desk and Mace looks down and she sees the ring that she now knows is from her mother. And you can see it in her face how hard she is struggling to not engage in this moment with Mm -hmm. Lucifer about Lilith. Mm -hmm. And she is putting the needs of her friend who is in danger above her own. So this shows how much she has grown, but also how important it would have been for them to take like two seconds before all of this happened to talk. So don't put shit off because you never know what happens the next day. Get it sorted. Verbalize. Just wanted to put that out there. Communication is important. Now we go into the next scene. Speaking of communication, we go into the CCTV footage room and Lucifer just offhandedly manages to use his mojo, finds out this way that it is back. Mace, for some reason, 
decides that this is the perfect time to bring up the whole soul thing. She's trying to be understating to to not make it sound too big. Which, you know, fair enough. This is a conversation that she should have with Lucifer, but she literally picks the worst moment for it. And now we go into the scene where I have a very high amount of caps and short lines and emotions because we're now at Pete's and Ella lets herself in and she makes sure repeatedly, several times, very, very loudly, if Pete is home. She wants him to be home because she doesn't feel 100% comfortable going into his apartment without him being there. Which And looking through his stuff, yeah. It's obvious and, and everything and it's very Ella. But I have a one question for the start of the scene, and that is, why is Ella so good at her job? In what way? Because if she was bad at her job, she would never have noticed the stupid paper. And then she would have never found the room. And then they would have caught Pete and she wouldn't be in danger. I'm pretty sure noticing that a piece of paper is magically sticking to the wall when there should be no reason why it is sticking to the wall is not the mark of her being a forensic scientist. So just a general aware human being. I mean, there are characters in this show that would not pay attention to it. She is hyper-focused on everything because she does not want to be there. So I... Well, of course. I get it. (laughs) However, I get it, but I'm just sad because this puts her in danger and I don't want her to be in danger. But at least now she knows, basically. Yeah, that's true. When you freeze frame, you can read what is on the paper. And the paper is a list of high quality vintage cameras. So it's a like a list Pete made of what cameras he's interested in, apparently. Which is a little weird because wasn't that part of the research box? Or that was probably no, just stuck underneath it. Actually. That was yeah, below the box. And when she takes down a research, it, flies it, up. it falls down and slides against the wall. And so, of course, she looks at it and realizes oh there's a current that makes this paper stick to the wall i was very upset when she finds it also the shelf that is in front of it slides so super easily so that is some quality craftsmanship that pete got installed there i do wonder if he did it himself probably did is my guess we go into the room and here we have the lilies and now i just go into no well i know the syringes no ella no it doesn't get better oh yeah i went to pete you fucking dickhead why did you give her the fucking keys? So a lot of complaining and moaning and then she leaves the room and she puts the shelf in front of it. And of course, of course, Pete's home. Pete There's the no creep. other option. And yeah, now it is Pete the creep. Yeah. Do you think he was standing there watching her putting things back like from around the corner? No, he's genuinely surprised and disappointed when Mm. he realizes the socket is put down. Unscrewed, yeah. So it was a possibility, but he definitely did not watch her. But it was so gross because then he approaches her and he kisses her and it's just like... You can tell that she... We all agree on the fact that Ella is a very, very bad liar. Oh, yeah. And it, to me, was obvious that she was going to let him know that somehow with the body language that there is an issue. Yeah. You know, my last 
all caps note on this scene is shit motherfucking Pete and how fucking smart girl. Why? Because and how did she take a syringe with her though? That made no sense. Like a a drawn up syringe. My thing because he has the the syringe with the thing in there ready to go. But wouldn't it go bad if you pull it up in advance? Nope. It depends what's inside, obviously. But like people working in pharmaceutical areas, please <laughs> let us know if you can actually draw up the syringe this far in advance because there were several syringes lying. There were several syringes and I think that or or the possibility is that she drew the syringe because she wanted to check what's inside of it. And it was, I guess, the best way to transform the liquid. I don't know. I don't... I, or do you think she armed herself? I think my assumption was she's taken the syringe as evidence. Because like the only possible argumentation that would fit in my brain is Ella doesn't have a gun. Mm-hmm. So knowing what she knows about the whisper killings, she would know what the chemical in those syringes is. And so this would be like the closest thing of a defensive weapon that she would have at hand. So I do wonder if she took it knowingly that she might need a weapon to defend herself. I don't think so. I think that she took it as evidence and to analyze it to make sure that she has the evidence to put him away. Because the room full of lilies is not enough? Yeah, I know what you're saying, but, you know, you can all, he can always go and say, uh, this was not, you know, I didn't know this was there or whatever. You know, you don't know what he would try to, how he would try to spin the truth. So to me, the way I saw it, she took it as evidence and she just happened to have it when he attacked her and she was smart enough to actually use it on him. So either way, she has it on her and it's a fucking good thing that she does because there is no Lucifer to save her butt as when Chloe is in danger or there is no backup. There is no other person in general. As I said at the beginning of the episode, Ella is left to her own devices. What I kind of expected is because we see Lucifer and Mace watching Pete on the CCTV, their reaction to the video, which we don't see, suggested that they recognized Pete. Mm. So I was actually expecting them to show up kick down the the very last yeah kick down the door and save Ella. But I'm actually happier that she has taken care of it herself. Oh, I would just love for once in Ella's life for someone else to help her and not her being the only person taking care of herself. I would imagine, and I think they should have done this because if they did see that it was Pete, they should have gone with her taking him out and, and then, then bursting them it. showing up. Them so, showing up, yeah. Yeah. So it would that would probably work the best for me. We go into the precinct, right into interrogation, and... Creepazoid! Lucifer refuses to let Maze in there because they only get one shot on in this and they can't torture him dead because they need the information. And Ella walks in and they have this beautiful conversation with some amazing lines like, everyone has flaws. And that just killed me. It's, mm. yes, Pete, everyone has flaws. Yeah. At this stage, I actually did go and look up the name of the actor. His name is Alexander Koch. Koch? 
Koch, K-O-C-H. I would say Koch. Yeah. So in a German, I would say Koch. Yeah. Yeah. Just in because Czech, Americans can't pronounce the C-H doesn't mean we have to turn his surname into Dick. However, he is an American and his performance in this scene is incredible. The way and the, the contrast, change. Yeah. it's just on point. And as much as I hated him, I loved him. I loved the actor, put it that way. I love the writing with the, why did you turn into this? Like, did your dad yeah. beat you one time too many or whatever? And so he explains with the mom. Mm. Which doesn't really seem like a reason to cut somebody's vocal cords. Well, if you are well-adjusted, there are no reasons. And if you are yeah. not well-adjusted, then anything is probably a reason. Yeah. And Ella points that out, that we don't become serial killers just because she our says, mom was yeah. mean to us. She says we all have crappy childhoods, which to me gives us a little bit more background on Ella. Well, this is a callback and we even get a very explicit callback later in this scene that Pete was called basically um, by her inner darkness mm. because in Deceptive Little Parasoid, Ella said that she was in therapy because she has a lot of darkness in her. And Ella also claimed to be able to uh, like sense the light in uh, mom. Mm. So she has been referring to her inner darkness and now Pete is like calling on this but I think it was really well done in this scene when she talks like we all had crappy childhoods we don't become serial killers very much giving us tidbits about her background without actually spending a lot of time there Mm -hmm. Ella holds it together she focuses on Chloe she finds out that Pete in fact does not have Chloe because he's not the one who abducted her and she does not give him the satisfaction and she does not break down in front of him however That means that she doesn't show to Lucifer nor Mace that there is any issue whatsoever because she only shows her struggle after she leaves the room and nobody sees her. But seriously, people should be aware how much this must suck without seeing the breakdown. And so this is probably going to be the the hill to stand on for the rest of the season that people fucking need to pay more attention to Ella. Yeah. And now, obviously, that we know it wasn't the serial killer, Pete, the creep, it has to be someone else. It can only be Michael. Mace does the great leap. What if it's not about her? It was about you and ta-da! And if it's not about Chloe, it must be about Lucifer. And it makes perfect sense because Dan shot Lucifer in the end of last beginning of this episode. So it's like, okay, this level of hurting Lucifer didn't work, so we're gonna try for something else. And we got over into the cave. And Michael's there and he is the worst. In the scene, I don't actually have much to say, except that, of course, we get the title drop set by Michael. And of course, it is made extremely obvious that the whole I love you business is going to be something major. And since it does not get resolved within this episode, I assume it's going to be a major theme for the second half of season five. Possibly. But now we come into one of my favorite scenes in this episode. Because we go back to the precinct and Mace has collected an utterly drunk Daniel. And Kevin Alejandro kills this scene so much. I fucking love it. The way he is scared of Lucifer. He tries to keep the table in between the two of them. Um, He's like turning his head away from him. He's verbalizing that you're hurting me when Lucifer is pushing him up against the door. Like every single mimic, body, voice, word, everything about Daniel in this scene is utter perfection. Of course... 
uh, well, fuck, I always fail at this word. Of course, cascading together into the big, he's pulling himself together to save Chloe. And no one in the history of this show, after learning about the devil face and the devil being real, has been able to pull themselves together this quickly. So all the respect for Dan. All props to Dan for being very on board with dealing with this. But also it makes sense because the way he's approaching things in general in his life, he just kind of needs to run with stuff all the time. Also, he has proven with Ezreal's Blade that he's one of the strong ones and with Lucifer's Mojo. Yes. Because he was able to withstand that in the first approach and Mm. he was able to turn over Ezreal's Blade. So he's one of the good ones. Exactly. But sadly, he's also afraid of heights. So his information is not as helpful as one might have expected. We learn about Michael and he remembers parts of the cave. So we're good. We know where to go next. So Storyline Ken. Exactly. He is just helpful enough to know uh, to the cave machine. I mean, to the wing machine. I don't know. Let's go to the cave. This entire precinct scene was just perfection for me. It and was great. Some much needed Daniel screen time, which of course makes sense. It's not as much since he directs. The cave. The zoo. Uh. I love that Chloe actually manages to loosen one of the bars and smacks Lucifer into the back of his head. Well deserved. Absolute perfection. Then Lucifer and Maze and Dan, everybody's there and they're kissing and Dan's like, oh, that's so cute. They actually care about each other. He cares about her. He cares about her. But to me, this seemed awfully easy. So (laughs) to me, this was part of the plan. To me, Lucifer was always supposed to safe and find Chloe, which I didn't realize at the beginning, this means that there were no stakes whatsoever. So again, this realization at this moment was like, but why why we were even, you know, bothered about this storyline. Michael's plan is complete shit and convoluted as fuck. It makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. So we saved Chloe. Everything is peachy. Ugh. But Mace is very unhappy because she is very lonely and so she is a perfect target. But we're not at targeting Mace yet. We're at targeting somebody else. We are at targeting Amenadiel. So we're back in the hospital and Michael is just making sure that Amenadiel has this realization that his son is only human. Yeah, I mean, this would kind of explain why the rescue was so easy because Michael was busy spewing shit elsewhere and I was very upset with Ames because why is that a problem? Because Amenadiel is very specious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He always and has this, been. This is why I'm upset. So it was absolutely not surprising that Amenadiel... Oh, not surprised. I didn't, I'm not surprised. I am upset. <laughs> Amenadiel now is worried because that is the whole point. For some reason, we go back into the cave mm-hmm. and because Mace is there. I don't understand why. Why did she wait there for Michael? Because she wants to carve him up. She wants to take revenge on kidnapping Chloe for kidnapping Chloe. Mm. Okay. There's not like, you know, the logic behind this is Mace is very vindictive. She is pissy at Lucifer about what happened and she needs to take her rage out of She's looking for an outlet, basically. And... Yeah, that's valid. Logic dictates that Michael is going to come back to the cave eventually because he thinks that Chloe is still there. So Mm. why not take it out on somebody that she already hates and just took away and who knows why and who knows what for uh, her friend, you know. 
We get Mace being fucked with by Michael again, and we get some foreshadowing that Michael's plan is nearly done. And that, of course, takes us into the final scene in the precinct. Yeah, we are watching Chloe giving a speech, a thank you speech to the crowd. In and Lucifer. The, and Lucifer, well... Lucifer. Technically, it's just Lucifer, but, you know, she needs to do the thing for everybody. And it's very sweet. It's very cute. And while Lucifer is waiting for Chloe, the elevator pings and Linda with Ames shows up. Linda is so annoyed with Amanda Eel and I love it so much. Yes. She has no time for this bullshit. I am so on board with Linda right now. Yes. It's so lovely. Can we do this later? No, we yes, we can. Come over here. Go do your thing. So we send those two away and Chloe moves over to Detective Lucifer. And she's very proud of him and it's super, super adorable and cute. But as happy and as proud as she is about that, she is not happy with the mojo returning because it's just another step of him basically regressing to the previous distance between them Hmm. and i'm very proud of chloe that she is now verbalizing her fears she is clearly stating what her issue is and i do wonder did lucifer never realize that he simply never said i love you did he was he aware i think he was i think everything lucifer says is very deliberate but it's also everything he doesn't say deliberate that's what i wonder i think so i think so and we'll see i mean we'll see because he is building up the courage to actually say the words and then we get the interruption he's using her name he's saying chloe to me he has said it in other words and yeah, but he, he, it's rare that he uses her name, so this is... Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's that's what I mean. He has... The fact that he uses her name, the fact that he has... Whenever he uses her name in the past, or, you know, I know that I pointed out at least two different occasions where it feels like he says the words, but he doesn't actually specifically say them. This is what leads me to believe that it's very specific and deliberate that he's not using these specific words. However, that doesn't mean that he necessarily didn't tell her how he feels to me. Yeah, but Chloe is very hyper-focused on needing those words, which is also understandable because words have power. And Lucifer would not hold back these words if he didn't have a reason. And while he gets the courage to say at least something, we realize something is wrong and everything is frozen. First we see Chloe and he steps out of the door and we see everyone is frozen. So here we are. We've seen Michael getting to Mace in the previous scene. We've seen Michael getting to Emenadiel in uh, pretty much, you know, the confirmation was at the start of the scene. He has gotten to Dan. He has gotten to Chloe. Although with Chloe, I'm pretty sure that if he didn't bring this shit up, she wouldn't be able to verbalize it so well with Lucifer now. So I feel like he actually pushed them closer together. However, by a minute you're stopping time, who's to say what's going to happen next? So he actually is, in his eyes, I'm assuming, quite successful in his mission. Whatever the mission is, we'll see. But we have frozen time and Charlie is frozen. And now we're getting to one of my favorite moments of or favorite parts of this episode. And that is 
uh, the fight. So before we go into the fight, we have some very, very good short instances because we have the realization Charlie isn't moving. So that absolutely now makes it sure for a Menadiel that Charlie is human and now he worries about him. And Michael comes with the uh, blah, blah, blah. And Lucifer's like, just stop being afraid, which of course is always the best recommendation you can do. It's like, yes, of course. Thank you for telling me. I did not think of this myself. Just stop being afraid. Ta-da. Yeah, you know, it's like when somebody tells you, you know, just stop being emotionally stumped. And we have this amazing framing with Ames completely being torn inside. And we have Michael on one shoulder and we have Lucifer on the other shoulder. And this is one of the best shots in this episode. This is so fucking well done. Yes. I absolutely love this. And Michael keeps needling, needling, needling. And Amenadiel is the one to throw the first punch. Yes. This is so important that this fight is actually started by Amenadiel. Because this is so, so much Michael. He does not throw the first punch. He prepares everything that someone else throws the first punch. Yeah. So this was really well done. And when you think, okay, now Amenadiel is gonna punch him properly again, Mace catches the hand. And I yelled. Now we have the fucking fight. And the only reason I did not get angry at Mace throughout this fight is that right before it starts, Lucifer is, why are you helping him? And she says, because he's my only chance at getting a soul. No. She's very... She says, because he promised me a soul. Yeah. And that is absolutely understandable. Nobody else has taken her seriously with this. And this is the only thing she really, really wants. So I can absolutely understand and support her decision. As slim as this chance is, this is the only chance I will ever have. So I'm going with this. And so I was not remotely as angry with her as I was on my first watch through. Because she is very clearly stating why she is doing this. Oh, I understand why she's doing it. I just don't understand why she trusts Michael. Because he has never lied to her. In her eyes. And he hasn't. No, and he hasn't. So far, there has not been any instance where he has lied to her. And that's the point. I, you know what? Yeah, like, you know, this is well played by Michael. It really is. Yeah, it fits. It makes sense. Everything fits together that this is a valid choice for Mace to make. Because Lucifer has been super dismissive of everything but especially with the soul. And Menadiel has been of no help. And Michael has never lied to her, which probably was deliberate on his part. So it was. I get it. And I can support her in this decision, as heartbreaking as it is for me. But yeah. no, I get to it. To me, I understand where she's coming from. Doesn't mean that it's not making me mad. Because to me, this is a pattern that we've seen, and I have pointed it out many times before. I know that this is a little different in some details, but to me, this is her trusting somebody who fucked her over multiple times before. But has Michael fucked her over in any instance? He fucked over everyone, but not her. Okay, in that case, let me put it this way. You're actually right. He didn't directly fuck her over, but he fucked over every single person that she cares about. Yeah, but nobody cares enough about her to help her with the soul issue. So I get it. I get that she is finally putting herself first because nobody else is. Just like with Ella. Nobody is putting Mace first. Ever. I understand what you're saying. And again, rationally, this makes sense. Emotionally. emotionally. I I, fucking hate this. This throws me back to all the other instances where Mace went and trusted somebody who had a history of hurting either her or people around her who she has relationship with. So like I... Yeah, 
But because no, he has I, not fucked her over, oh, no. I do not see the pattern. Again, very valid what you're saying. I'm not trying to fight you on that. I'm just explaining why am I so adamant on uh, being mad about the situation emotionally. This is why. Talk about the fight. Okay, the fight, the choreography, everything in here. So in the last scene, in the last moments of this episode, we have a combination of a whole bunch of songs. I didn't actually go like part by part and try to figure out if it actually fits where it is or where it kind of says it's supposed to be because all four of these songs are four from songs. The- Yes, they're from the same album. They're more rather like a film compilation that you would hear like a background music. It's by the Secession Studios and it's like this very intense music and all four of these are very similar. So I'm not sure if somebody just went piece by piece and found exactly where it ends and where it starts and stuff like that. Or did they just kind of piled up a bunch of songs from that one album that kind of sound the same? To me, it all sounds like one song anyway. So they're all on the playlist and the names go in chronological order. The Untold, 100 Strings, Persecution and Lucifer's Waltz. Nice. I was only aware of the Lucifer Waltz one. Yeah. It kind of first starts as Mace throws Lucifer through the glass. Such a good effect. It's beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. And it kind of, the music kind of changes and varies a little bit as we get different combinations of people fighting. So uh, it's incredible. And as you have mentioned in the fun facts, I have noticed that Lucifer is pulling his punches. He is trying to not hurt Mace, especially at the beginning. It's very recognizable that he is being just defensive. There is no offensive on his move whatsoever. And this is beautiful that you can actually see it. Yeah, absolutely. My only issue with this fight was that there have to be a shit ton of cuts because of Tom being both Michael and Lucifer. Mm. And I prefer fight scenes that flow more. Mm. And this was simply not feasible. And I made the same complaint in the beginning of the season when Michael and Lucifer fight each other. But there is no way around this period. What was really well done is Michael at some point throws one of the demon knives towards one of the cops and Lucifer catches it and protects the humans. So that was really, really well done because it's the details. Usually when the Celestials fight or when an angel and a demon fight, they wreck everything around them. Like remember Lucifer and Mace fighting outside with the stone benches. Mm. And the precinct actually holds up quite well and I think it is only because Mace doesn't actually want to cause that much destruction where her friends work and Amenadiel has to be careful because Charlie and Linda are there and Lucifer cares about all of these people nowadays. So they are taking care not to completely wreck this place which is why it's not an utter shambles. Yep. So that was well done. And we end this mid-season finale with a light and a boom and a sentence. What is the sentence? Children, you know I hate it when you fight. Pretty sure, more or less. So something that I kind of forgot to mention, or I think I forgot to put it in my notes, but something that I have noticed multiple times, on multiple occasions in this episode, Lucifer mentions dad. So oh my dad, I swear to dad, and stuff like that. And it's repeatedly. So this is why I picked up on it. And I wonder, is that a build-up to dad actually showing up? 
You should put this on the IMDb fact that he is summoning his father. Yes, he said that too many times. So now yeah, he should like have. Beetlejuice. It's like Beetlejuice. Yeah. God damn it, Absolutely. it's been twice now. Oh no. And of course, we now see God in probably his vessel. I don't know how the vessel for God works because mom was stuck in a human. And so it's curious because we don't know anything about God's vessel. The goddess didn't have her own vessel. So he did he choose his appearance? Is this how he always looked? I remember there being a lot of buzz on the internet. Oh, it should have been Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman is the only god. It's like, guys, come on. Get over it. Morgan Freeman is very old nowadays. And, and if it no. was supposed to be anybody, it should have been Neil Gaiman. No, I'm actually really happy that we got um, a black actor as oh, God. Oh yeah, I am 100% on board with that. It's very, very good. And yo man, I didn't write his name just now, but we will talk about him pretty much probably next episode because I'm sure he's going to be around in the next episode at least. <laughs> <laughs> the choice, the acting choice that they have made is excellent. It really is very, very good. I'm curious if we're gonna learn anything about his vessel or how it works. Like, does he just choose what he wants to look like or how he is perceived? That is a very good, very good question. Yeah. What a fucking mid-season finale. I kind of wish... As I have mentioned before, that they split this into two episodes, that we would get an extra episode of Pete's storyline and mainly Ella's storyline would get more time and space. It felt a little rushed to me because, I mean, obvious reasons. There was obviously a several moments which I have pointed out when I was just like, what, what? what just happened how did they leap there but yet the character development somehow didn't feel rushed this is an epic setup that gets us ready for the second half and i am filled this with i'm filled this with anticipation anticipation i need to know what michael's plan is i need to know that ella is okay i need to know that lucy and chloe will resolve their issue or rather they will resolve lucifer's issues i want mace to be less res- Receptive to manipulation, I want to see Ames accepting Charlie for who he is. And lastly, but not leastly, I want to see Trixie. <laughs> I'm incredibly angry about Pete because this is going to hurt Ella so incredibly badly. Uh-huh. Fucking asshole playing with her life and her heart and her soul. And as I have repeatedly stated throughout this episode, the others need to get their shit together and care more about Ella. They need to care more about Mace as well, but also more about Ella. And we have been saying this for quite a while. Yes. Then getting his shit together in absolute record time because Chloe is in danger was extremely satisfying. He truly is the best has been. I am so proud of him. Amenadiel can go sit on a fucking cactus, though. The way he worries about Charlie being only human is annoying as hell. If he raises him right, even if he is just human, he's simply gonna be able to meet him up in heaven in a few decades. So fucking what? Get over it. Mm -hmm. Mace betraying her friends for the 100th time obviously is grating, but... At least she is very vocal about why she's doing this to get a soul. And since she is not wrong, that Michael up to this point has never lied to her. And as dismissive as Lucifer has repeatedly been of her and her desire for a soul, I have no space to blame her. I'm not happy that she betrays her friend, but I cannot blame her for doing it. The whole I love you stuff is gonna be the looming threat. And even though it's utterly not relevant to me, I'm sure this is gonna be a thing in the next half of the season. And it makes sense because saying I love you to each other is gonna be like a core thing of the Decker Star pairing. So I get that they make a big deal out of it. 
it makes sense that someone like Lucifer, who does not lie, would take this extremely seriously as a statement. So I'm, I actually, I can work with this. I'm good with this. I'm super curious about God, how he's going to be, and if I will dislike him as much as I dislike mom. And with this, we say thank you for listening. Please find us on our various social media. We love interacting with you, either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards, such as early release, merch and hours of bonus content. Yes, hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really do help. Or telling all your friends about us because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.